Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. Welcome to uh, our LA studio. So glad to have you. We are here with Bobby Maximus, who will get into who exactly he is in a second, but all the way from Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City, Actually, yes. Canada. Canada via, no, Salt Lake City via Canada, I think. Is, is that, that how you say that? it? I okay, I didn't so, know which yeah. one goes first or not. Maybe the other way around. <laughs> so I do want to talk to you a little bit about kind of like your, your story, your upbringing, things like that, but you are a former UFC fighter. That's correct. Turned fitness personality on Instagram, turned podcaster, t- turned fitness guru, all the things. That's a good definition. And you write for Men's Health as well. Yes. And so you are here for the week and we are so pumped to get to chat with you about all the things. Yeah, thank Welcome. you. It's nice to finally meet you. Yes. We've connected. We've become internet friends. Internet friends are awesome. Yes. Even if you never meet, sometimes like I'll meet someone that I've been friends with on the internet for like 10 years and I feel like, I'm like, this is the first time we're meeting. I can't believe this is the first time. No, but you know, but, it's actually, it's really funny. This is like our social media trip. So I've met all my social media friends out here. And it's really one of the things that's heartwarming about social media is people look at it as just, I think like wired up connection. But it's not because you can turn it personal if you want. Yeah, I think you should actually. I mean, LA is a great place to be because there's a lot of people who come through. When I was living in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, not so many people. But um, yeah, so we're pumped to have you. So just give us a little bit of background for maybe people who are not familiar or not following on social. Tell us a little bit about how you got into fighting, how you came up in maybe your the fitness, your kind of fitness journey. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll, I'll try to make this short. Um, but it might go a little long, so you can cut me off at any time. <laughs> uh, I, I talk a lot. Up until I was 15, 16 years old, I was bullied fairly heavily. When you use the term bullied, I have a hard time with it right now because I think everyone's bullied. Like you were made fun of at some point in your life. Yep. I was made fun of, everybody was. Uh, kids punched me in the face on the bus, drew on my face with marker. Uh, I got a lot of wedgies. My mom would wonder like, where did all your underwear go? Oh, mom, kids on the bus ripped them off. Um, if I would tell on them, my mom would go talk to their mom or, and then you'd get beat up even worse. So I didn't really have the tools to deal with it. Uh, there was a point where four hockey bullies surrounded me in gym class and beat me up and broke my collarbone. And I didn't want that to really ever happen again. So I joined the wrestling team on the wrestling team. I lost every match my first year. I was terrible. I was not athletic. I was awkward. I was one of those cause you're in the fitness industry, um, or you have, a, you have a background in it, I was one of those people with such bad movement patterns, you're breaking out extra waivers for me to <laughs> sign. Yeah. And uh, the second year, I won one match out of 40. Winning that match, was it might rank as the greatest moment of my life still because I'd never won anything. And then I found myself into the weight room because I didn't know what else to do. Uh, I was a person that got pinned under a 45-pound barbell. And if it wasn't for a few people, there was Michael Xavier... Brian Sepatelli, Eugene Vinci, Mr. Fox, who just helped me for no other reason than there were just nice people and really couldn't care to make fun of me or couldn't care to bully me. 
they really helped me get started in weight training. And we had the old like Gold's Gym set up. Do you remember those corner universal machines? Oh, yeah. They look like a big square and I would do some bench press and some lat pull downs yeah. and some seated cable rows and just started figuring stuff out. And I got really strong and better at stuff. And I started winning more in wrestling with that confidence increased. And then the next thing I know, and, and that's how it kind of feels to me, I, I was fighting for an Olympic spot in wrestling and, and wow. I was in the UFC and I was second in the world for kickboxing and all this great stuff kind of happened because of working out. Wow. I mean, really was, was the catalyst for me. So I, it was a natural progression for me when my fighting career was over to get into strength and conditioning because my message is that working out in the gym, training, building yourself from the inside out, I think it can help every other area of your life. And that's whether you want to be a better lawyer, a better doctor, a better mom, or just enjoy your life more. Like everything in my life is because I accidentally found myself in, in the weight room. And so here I am. Yeah, that's amazing. It sounds like it's just like you can, I always wonder about that. Do we become passionate about something just out of the blue or is it because we end up being good at it? And I think there, like when you start weight training, you start to build self-efficacy, like, cause there's something about being able to get, you know, uh, under a heavy barbell and get it up that makes you feel like, damn, like Superman, right? In a way. And you're like, wow, I wonder where else I could go with this. Well, I think it's also the fact that you fail in the gym. No one's really naturally good at it. And there's going to be things that you can't lift. Do. Yeah. And everyone's on their own path. I mean, you might be stronger than me to begin with, but you still have hurdles you have to jump and obstacles you have to overcome. And overcoming those obstacles in the gym, that's the same as overcoming an obstacle in your marriage. It's the same as overcoming an obstacle at work. And so it feels really good to do something you couldn't do last week. It feels really good. You know, a, a, a lot of women talk to me about the pull-up where a lot of women wish they could do one pull-up. It feels incredible because I've been there when you can't do a single pull-up or push-up and then all of a sudden you could do five. It's a really incredible, empowering feeling. It and really so that, is. that I think has set the table for my life. And so that's what I preach to other people, that this is a really valuable thing that you can incorporate in your life. So tell me about then, okay, so obviously this is make, it makes me laugh because a lot of times people will say to me, are you going to beat me up? Because I do have muscle on my body, but you actually did translate having muscle on your body into fighting. Yep. And so tell me about fighting in the UFC. What was that like? You know, terrifying. <laughs> okay. um, and it set for me a lot of the things that I teach now and a lot of the hardest life lessons I've had to learn were learned there. I got into the UFC by accident. Uh, I wrestled. I was really good. I almost made the Olympic team. I didn't. And I was devastated. Like I didn't know what to do with myself. Wrestling's kind of my first love. And I didn't know what to do. I feel like I, I failed myself. I failed my coach. I, I, I failed my teammates. And I was kind of lost. And there was a gentleman named Sean Tompkins. And if you're a UFC fan, uh, Sean died a few years ago, um, but I'm forever grateful to him. He is regarded as one of the best coaches of all time in MMA, and he happened to be in my town. And he was training Mark Hominick, who's a UFC legend, Sammy Stout, another UFC guy, Chris Horodecki, a UFC guy. We had a good stable, but no one knew how to wrestle. So he said, hey, you wrestle. We could use you. Why don't you 
come out. And I came out with him. And he goes, you know, you might be pretty good at this whole MMA thing. And one day he came to me and said, you want to fight? Well, what does that entail? He goes, well, and I was, you know, single at the time. He goes, we can go to Edmonton. Uh, this is in Canada. You're going to fight. Um, they're going to pay $500. You can pick up some girls, go home. And I'm like, sign me <laughs> of up. Course, this yeah. is the greatest thing ever. Like, sure. And I went and I won a fight. And then I had another fight and I won. And then I had another fight and I won. And I kind of found myself in the UFC by accident. I was not prepared for it mentally. Uh, I, 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 I didn't have like a huge background in it. Although at that point, Sean was one of the best kickboxing teachers in the world. I was second in the world for kickboxing. And I kind of found myself thrust into an environment that I was ill-prepared to deal with. How come? You know, it's pretty scary growing up in a town of 1,800 people. And when you were bullied, like if you're bullied for the first 16 years of your life and you're not confident, you're not just going to flip that switch and have that true inner self-confidence. I think you carry around that a lot. Just like if you grew up with a alcoholic father or mother, if you grew up in a broken house, if you grew up with self-esteem issues, that's something you're probably going to deal with for the rest of your life. And I'm backstage at the Mandalay Bay Casino and Resort. There's 20,000 people in the audience and I'm scared to death. Like, what have I done? Why am I here? Like, everyone's going to see me get beat up. This is on pay-per-view. Like, I am ill-prepared to, to deal with this and forcing myself to deal with that fear that anxiety, uh, that unknown, uh, it was really, really difficult, really, really hard to wrap my head around. One of the lessons that I learned from that was that fight, I was filled with negative self-talk before that fight. Mm. Um, and uh, if I told you that before that fight, without you knowing the result, I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get killed, I'm going to embarrass myself, how do you think I did in that fight? Probably not too well. Not too well. I yeah. lost. It was the first fight yep. I ever lost. I lost bad. And it was at that point I realized I needed help. Yeah. I worked out more than anyone I knew. I was doing 1,500 pull-ups, push-ups, and dips a week. Oh, my gosh. I was training six hours a day. My entire life revolved around it. Like, I don't know what else I can do. I need help. Yep. And so I uh, was talking to George St. Pierre, a guy named Rich Franklin. Uh, if, you're, if you're fight people, they would know who these guys are. And uh, I found a sports psychologist named Brian Kane who worked with me on all these mental exercises to fix my broken wow. yeah. self-image. Interesting. Uh, so my next It's almost fight, like the brain doesn't match the body yet. No, exactly. And, and you would see a big, strong, confident... I, I joke. I always tell people I'm a killing machine. <laughs> I didn't. I would look in the mirror and see a scared 14-year-old kid. Yeah. So I started working with Brian Kane and he, he fixed me. And I fought a guy whose record was 42 and four. I probably had no business fighting him. And I beat him. I won submission of the night. It was the greatest fight I'd ever had. So I fired my sports psychologist because I You're was like, I'm fixed. Cured. I'm like, I'm good. I don't need you anymore. Uh, but a month and a half later or two months later, fighting in the Mandalay Bay again, all the negative shit came back and mm. I lost. And that was a pivotal moment for me that taught me this is probably a lifelong struggle. Well, I'm probably always going to have to work on the mental game on keeping my brain uh, in line with my body. And that really set the table for my message, which is the psychological is more important than the physical. I, I always say that a strong mind is a catalyst for change. So it's cool that you lift weights. Great. You, you bench press, you squat, you deadlift. It doesn't matter. 
it's the psychological result of doing that stuff that's going to make a difference. So how does someone know, and it's interesting because a lot of what you're saying was very similar to both Danny and I, who's my co-host is not here, but um, both of us got to a point in our fitness endeavors where our brain did not match our body either because it was always about, can I get leaner? Can I get bigger? Can I get um, more symmetrical? If you're getting up on stage as a figure competitor and hating life hating yourself, being so insecure, pulling at, you know, the, the 10% body fat you still have. like, And so th- there's something to be said for you can have the most amazing capable body, the best aesthetic. But if you hate yourself and you hate your process and you are constantly talking negatively to yourself, what do you say to people who are like, well, if I like myself or if I work on that stuff, I'm going to become complacent? I don't think that's true at all. I don't think you can ever really become complacent. And the example I always give for that, that's a great question, by the way. The most insecure people are often the best in the world at what they do. When you're a bench player in the NBA, you don't get the pressure from ESPN. You don't get people shit-talking you on Twitter. If you miss a shot, you're not in the spotlight. The better you get, the more eyes that are on you and the more you have to care. So you think... Somebody like Michael Jordan. Can you imagine the scrutiny that was on him? Oh, yeah. And now let's take it in today's age because he didn't play in the age of social media. He didn't play in the age of the computer. I mean, shit, there was, wasn't even the internet when, when he played. Yeah. If you ever follow uh, LeBron James or like pay attention to what's going around to him, he can't walk. He can't go to the bathroom. He can't read a book. He can't grab a coffee. He can't have a glass of wine without media being all over him. Can you imagine the type of pressure that he faces, even though he's built like a god, he's one of the most talented people to ever play in the NBA, he's a savvy businessman, he can't do anything right from the media's perspective. So I think that- So you have to fortify your mind. You have to fortify your mind. (laughs) And the more you work at it and the better you get, the worse it is because the the greater the expectation of perfection, the, the more things you have to work on, your standards- go up. You know, it's interesting you say that. We talk a lot on the podcast about like as a, I would say a warning to not like a cautionary tale to not put people up on pedestals because yeah. what, what's the saying? Like if you want to be disappointed, just meet your idol, yep. you know, it's because we're all human. And so we talk a lot about like for whatever reason, when someone is in the public eye, there is a greater responsibility in a sense to not step out of line. But, you know, one of the things that you always talk about or think that you're doing in your business, at least now on social media is, is trying to pull back the curtain a little bit and be more authentic. So how do you, how, like, let's just go through some of the exercises then for someone who feels like, okay, you know, I do want my brain to match my body or I do want to start becoming more confident inside too, not just on the outside. What are some exercises that you would give? So the biggest one I use, and I've actually got it here, but you see on my laptop, there's a green dot with my little logo on it. That's a branded one, but you could really use any green dots. Um, I always joke and say mine work the best, but that's not necessarily (laughs) true, but you can buy them for $9.99 on my website because there's something about paying $9.99 that makes people feel better about themselves. You know what I mean? Three easy payments. But for real, there's, there's, it's about what I call controlling the narrative. And you have a narrative in your head going on right now. We're talking and you're processing what I'm saying. You're you know, building up a picture of me. That picture of me that you're building may or may not be truthful. It's your perception. Sure. And so you've got this constant narrative going on in your head. And it's a talk between 
what I call green light thoughts and red light thoughts. So green light thoughts are, I got chosen to be in the UFC. I belong here. I work out more than anyone I know. I'm strong enough. My conditioning is top notch. Uh, I'm second in the world for kickboxing. I have one of the best MMA coaches around. These are things that are going to lead me to success. And by the way, they're all true. The negative thoughts or the red light thoughts are, there's 20,000 people in the audience and I grew up in a town of 1,800 people. Also true, but not helpful. Uh, this guy has had more fights than me. Also true, but not helpful. So the green light thoughts are positivity. They lift us up. They get us to believe in ourselves. Red light thoughts are negative and they hold us down. And you have to train yourself to think in green light thought terms. Love and it, it doesn't just happen. So I had a talk with a person about this not long ago. If you constantly walk around thinking negative stuff all day, and think of the things people say, this sucks. How many times have you heard this? Or I'm not happy with myself, or I don't like these clothes, or I don't like, we're looking at a Traeger grill right now. I don't like the way they did this. If you're constantly filled with negativity, when you encounter a pressure-filled situation, what's your go-to default that you've trained yourself? Negativity. To yep. Negative. It's going to be bad. It's all bad. Yep. It's all bad. So you have to teach yourself to have positive self-talk. Now, there are different exercises. I'm going to sit down and meditate for a half hour. A lot of people don't have the mental capacity to do that properly without checking their phone and without thinking it's hokey and, 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 and getting sure. into it. A lot of people don't have the capacity to write down five things every morning. A lot of people don't have the mental capacity to go see a therapist, which everyone probably should do. You look at that green dot that I showed you on the computer, I would look at a green dot and immediately you have to say something positive about yourself or something related to your goal. So say you want to teach a, a, a seminar with a thousand people, but you're nervous to get there and everything. Every time you look at a green dot, you're like, I've worked in this industry for six years and I'm one of the best and brightest. And yep. then you move on with your day. Love it. And so you put the green dots in places you're likely to see them. And so what you're doing is you're surreptitiously throughout the day, training yourself to change your narrative and your view of yourself. And I love you that. do that long enough you'll start to believe your own smoke, so to, so, yeah. so to say. The key with it is they have to be truthful things. Yeah. You can't gas yourself up yep. unnecessarily. You have to say truthful things of why you're going to be successful. And you'll start to change that narrative. That's the simple uh, way. And it's the most, I think the most effective way to do this. I love that so much. It's, it reminds me of some of the mindfulness kind of, like it's mindfulness, right? It's like, okay, top, like how can it stay top of mind? And I love that because all the negative things are also true. Yep. Right? And so I think that's a distinction as well. I think that we have a lot of people in like the positive like esteem space who are saying, you know, those aren't true, this and that. But like sometimes they are true. Well, it's it, just where do you choose to put your attention? There's also a difference between the truth and your truth. Yeah. Here's the deal. You tell me like, Rob, I look fat. I'm looking at you and I'm like, you're ripped. You don't have a shred of body fat on you. But if you feel fat, that's your truth. And there's nothing I can say to make it untrue to you. So a lot of people, like we have a hard time with that where you'll say something negative, like I'm fat. And what's my reaction going to be? I'm actually going to encourage that behavior because you know what I'm going to do? Oh no, you're not fat. You're fabulous. I'm fat. I've heard people go back and forth with this again and again and again. And what I've done is now I've rewarded you. 
and reward the behavior down because I'm engaging in the behavior too. A better way to confront that, I think, is when you say you're fat, I'm like, Jill, do you really feel that way? Can you articulate to me why? Like I have to force you to confront it because it's your truth and me just saying, no, you're not, is not going to change your truth. Interesting. I love that distinction. And and that's why negative self-talk, I think, can be so powerful because there's probably some truth to it. You know, like if I'm, I used to be terrified to public speak. There was a time in my life I would have been incapable of being on this podcast. So my fear of, or my negative self-talk, I'm a poor public speaker. That comes from somewhere very real. It's not something I just imagined because I remember being terrified. I think the meanest thing you could do to a kid is make him do a speech in front of the whole school. Oh, I have those memories of stuttering and people laughing at me and my speech not being good. So that's a real negative thought. And you can't tell me it's not real. Oh no, Rob, you're great at what you do. doesn't help me. So that's why it's so important to change that narrative with truthful thoughts. Gosh, that's so good because I think insecurities can be oddly competitive. It's like, I'm more insecure. I'm more insecure. And we do, we sit around and validate Mm -hmm. each other because we do give those things attention. So I love just even that switch that you made instead of saying, no, you're not, which they can't hear there. You say, you know, you almost inquire and then it does put it back on them to start maybe some introspection work about like, oh yeah, what, like, is that my truth? What is it serving me? And it's really hard to do. Yeah. Like a therapist would call it being curious. But because we all have emotions and we all have different relationships with people, it's really hard to do. And so, and the closer you are with somebody, the harder it is to do that. So say you and your boyfriend are, sure. are, are sitting together and you say, I'm fat. What he should say is, Jill, do you really feel that way? Or I'm curious as to why you'd say that. But he won't always have the emotional capacity to do that because he's tired from work. He's having a bad day. He's having insecurities. Maybe he thinks I'm fat. I'm just kidding. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but his his response is going to be, no, you're not. Leave me alone. Like that kind of deal. It's really hard to do. So that's why I also say you are in charge of this 100% and you have to control the narrative in your head. You can't rely on other people because they're going through stuff too. And they don't always have the emotional capacity to lead you through it the right way. Yeah. So good. So good. Um, and if you guys, obviously you can't see Bobby, but if you guys follow him on social media, it's uh, what, Bobby Maximus? Just yeah, all right now. At Bobby Maximus on Insta. So Bobby is 6'3", 250. Play, uh, okay, no, whoa, say whoa, played whoa, 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 whoa. Don't 255. Don't again. 255. I work, my <laughs> whole life is predicated around being big. <laughs> okay. I, I, those five pounds mean a lot to me. 255. Yep. And you didn't play in the UFC. You fought in the UFC. Fought. I like the distinction. You don't it's, it's a real sport. If you can play it, it's a game. Oh, okay. If you can't apply the word play, Okay, so sport. he fought, in, fought the in the UFC. So this is good. I'm getting all sorts of just distinctions, which is good. But here's the thing that I, I really enjoy about you is that we're talking soft skills right now. Yep. And this is, I think, what makes you stand out in this space. And I don't know if you know this, but the reason why I wanted to, uh, that I did start initially following you was actually because Keith... And I, this is right when the Gillette thing came out about toxic masculinity. Oh, yes. Right when that came out, we were having the conversation around that. And I hadn't really done a whole lot of research on it. And I was curious. And I was like, okay, I guess I get it. But there's so much nuance in that conversation. And I think Keith had heard your name or some, something that had come up about that episode you had did. And he goes, I think you really like this episode. Um, he said, you know, Bobby's this like, he's a UFC guy. And he's, and so hearing the message that you had around toxic masculinity on that episode was, I don't know, it's not ironic, but in a way we don't expect 
for someone of your stature or whatever to be on, frankly, feels like the side of women in a way. Yes. You know, so can you maybe first define, because we haven't talked about this on the podcast yet, define what, you know, toxic masculinity maybe is. You know, I actually have a bit of a different viewpoint on toxic masculinity. On the podcast, I'm, I'm hosts with a very good friend of mine, Joe Sabula, and he feels very much the same way I do. And funny enough, we're from the same background. It's funny you mentioned the the perception of, oh, a big UFC guy is going to be on. Joe fought at a very high level in Taekwondo. He works out all the time. He's a fellow meathead, and he feels the same way. And I don't like the term toxic masculinity because masculinity is not a bad thing. Just because you're a man doesn't mean that you're evil, doesn't mean that you put woman down. Plain and simple, it's just shitty behavior. And there's nothing that has to do with being like, there's nothing about my manhood that requires me to put down a woman. Just because a woman makes the same amount of money as me, and, and that's called the pay gap, it doesn't, it's not a shot at my ego. If my wife makes more money than me, it's not, a, that has nothing to do with being a man. You know what makes me a man? The fact I have a Y chromosome. That's it. It's like an assignment. But how I act, there's almost been in our society this entitlement from a man's side to talk to women a certain way or put them down. And I don't think a lot of guys even realize they're doing it, but they wouldn't like it if it was done to their sister or done to their mother or, or done their to daughter their girlfriend or... or their daughter or things like that. And so there's this whole series of behaviors that not just men engage in, assholes engage in. And I want to make that distinction because it's really important. So why do you feel like some men who maybe are not assholes are getting or have got felt threatened by the term toxic masculinity? Because why do you have to take it so personally? I don't think if it's they, not about you. Yeah, I don't think they understand it. And I think there is some insecurity that they've behaved in a similar way. Mm. Like I think everything comes down to insecurity because if you say something about me or to me and I immediately get defensive, there may be some truth to it. And here's another thing. If you go on Instagram and you had a post that I loved, these people that 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 rent their private jet, not rent their private jet, take a picture in front of a private jet. They take a picture in front of a Ferrari and try to pretend it's their car and stuff like that. I didn't get upset at that post because I don't do that shit. Actually, I'll, I'll be honest. This is the first time confessing this. I did rent a Toyota Corolla. Did you take a picture of it? And look like a baller, my you know my fancy car, but um, I don't do that stuff. So when I read that post, I didn't think it was directed at me. But people who do that would think you're calling them directly out and would be violently offended by that. So I think the men that were offended by it have probably engaged in that type of behavior and either are insecure about it, angry about it, or upset about it. One of, one of the three. That makes so much sense. And I always say, if it's not about you, it's not about you. No. Why, why would it be? Like when the Gillette commercial came out, it wasn't about me. I don't behave like that. I'm not a bully. I don't slap women in the ass. I don't believe in a pay gap. I believe you should be respectful. Say please and thank you. Cool commercial, guys. Right. You know, my biggest concern with that commercial would be like, hey, guys, I just want to buy razors. Can you tell me about like the new quadruple blade instead of triple blade? Like that would be the only criticism I have, but it wasn't directed at me. I'm completely respectful of not only women, but everybody. 
If you have a problem with that, you've probably done some shit yourself. So what is the difference between masculinity and toxic masculinity? You know, I think masculinity in a way is society's definition. Again, I believe the only thing that makes you a man is that you have a Y chromosome. Like that's the only difference between us. I was born with a Y and you have two X's. Great, cool. But society tends to assign values to what's masculine and what's not masculine. So Because women can be, I guess, technically masculine too, right? Sure. It's like kind of a... Why not? Or but here's where we run into trouble. Because if you have a self-assured woman who's confident, she's not called confident and self-assured. There's a word to call her. Do you know what that word is? A dude? She's a bitch. Ooh. That's what guys will say. And I don't like that word because it's demeaning, I think. But if you're confident and self-assured and know what you want, there are men who are threatened that will call you a bitch. And I don't think that's okay. Just because call it what it is, confident and self-assured. If, on the other hand, I'm emotional, I cry. I mean, shit, I cried at the end of Harry Potter. I cried during Lord of the Rings. Like, I, I don't know. I don't think that makes me, an, an, can I use bad words on this podcast? Yes. It doesn't make me a pussy. It doesn't make me a pansy. It doesn't make me a girl. And by the way, all those words have implied I'm weak because I'm a female. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. there's, like there's something about in a gym where if I'm not working hard and you call me a pussy, uh, what are you calling me, a woman? Are you saying women are weak? Because that's essentially what you're saying. You're not insulting me. You're insulting your mother, your sister, your daughter. Like that's a problem for me. I, I've tried to get those words completely out of my lexicon because it's not it's not okay it implies that another group of people is less than yep but what a guy can't cry that's not and that's society that puts that on people not not me now toxic masculinity i think that takes it a step further it's when you take at least this is my unwrapping of it it's when you take um society's expectations and you use that to marginalize hurt be aggressive, you weaponize that to hold another group of people down. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's bullying behavior. So I'm not going to, so don't be afraid. I'm going to slap your ass because I'm bigger than you and stronger than you and you can't do anything about it. That's toxic masculinity. It comes from a place of, and I'll call it what it is, it's bullying. I'm going to say something to you because I'm your boss and you can't say anything back to me. And most of the stuff you'll hear about toxic masculinity, if you unpack it, it's a person in a position of power using that to put somebody else down. So what do you say to, or I'm curious, have you had blowback from men who are saying, you know, why can't we just keep doing things that the way they were, the way they were, or oh, I have to watch yeah. everything I'm saying now. I can't use the yep. word pussy. What's the big deal? Yep. And I get blowback for that all the time. And, you know, depends. I, I have a hard time with that. We were actually doing a podcast earlier this week. And, and one of the people said, you go after people hard. Because understand, I fall back on what I'm good at. So the guy with a lot of money, guess what he's going to fall back on is his strength area? His Finances. Wealth. What do you think I fall back on with my background? Your physical. Fighting. I'm going to throw punches and ask questions later. Like that's <laughs> where I want to go, right? I ask questions first. Yeah. Now I'm trying to ask questions. <laughs> and, and honestly, I tried to beat up everyone on the internet that called me names, but it's like, it's expensive to buy plane tickets around the world <laughs> to, to do this. So I can't like reach through a computer and grab somebody. But oftentimes now, 
I, I'll, I'll go one of two ways. I'll call them a bully or I'll ask to explain themselves. So if someone says, well, why can't I call the, you know, a, a, a person a pussy? Do you really think that's okay and acceptable behavior? Would you be okay if someone said that in front of your sister or mom and then the conversation ends? Because you can't, you can't come back to it. Like you're in the wrong. There's certain things that I believe are universal wrongs and rights. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and so you can't, you can't come back to it. Or I just explain, I unpack the behavior like I did with you by calling me a pussy. You're implying that I am weak because I am a woman. Do you think all women are weak? And usually it shuts down the conversation because the person can't answer that question because it's funny. They don't want to stop the behavior, but they're also really unwilling to admit that a woman is weak because that sounds bad. And we always say that a misogynist, you want to make a misogynist mad, call them a misogynist. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You want to make a racist mad, call them a racist. Like it, it, it infuriates people because they know it's wrong. So I'd rather deal with people head on. The other one is, is like, just don't be a dick. Like you don't have to be rude to people. What makes you think you can be rude? Because again, that has nothing to do with being a man. I love that so much. And I know that, you know, maybe the answer was insecurity, but why do you think that particularly, I guess, men in power feel like they have to use that power to like, is it, yes, it's insecurity, but like, you know, or even when we talk about toxic masculinity, the part of it that is maybe violent even, where does that come from? You know, I, I, I'm not a psychologist, not a licensed one anyway. Um, but you I play do, one on Instagram. I do have a background in, in, in psychology. Uh, I think it comes from insecurity. I think it comes from upbringing. I think how you watched your dad treat your mom, how you watched your parents treat other people set a model for you of how you were going to behave. Like with my children at home, how I treat my wife, that's how the kids are going to treat their wife. And by the way, they learn from their mother too. What their mother's willing to put up with, that's what you'll be willing to put up with. So I think it's modeled at an early age. I think society, there's societal pressures and peer pressure, and we kind of do what other people do. And I always have this saying that just because nobody's doing a thing, it doesn't make it wrong. Mm. And just because everybody's doing something, that doesn't make it right as well. You know what I mean? Yep. When you'll hear a behavior like, I'm like, hey, Jill, it's really rude to call somebody this word. And you're like, well, everybody does it. That doesn't right. make it right. Right. Just because everybody's doing it. And, and you'll see that like when you're on the wrong side of history, like the way, the way black people were treated in this country in the 50s and 60s and shit, even now, there's going to be a day when we are embarrassed as I hope we're embarrassed as a, as a human race that that happened. Do you know what I mean yeah. by that? Like, yep. like well, you should be embarrassed about it. Yep. So I also believe that it is, like I said, how you were raised and who you've surrounded yourself with. Much in the way that I was conditioned to fight. There was a point in my life I was not a fighter. I remember getting punched in the face in high school and did nothing about it. Now if I get punched in the face, I'm swinging right back. That was conditioned. That was learned behavior. Yep. I think you can learn to be an asshole. And that's why I think you can unlearn to be an asshole too. When I was a fighter, yep. there was a time I wasn't a fighter. I get punched in the face and I cry. I feel shame. Now I will fight anyone, anywhere, anytime. <laughs> and I mean that. Like yeah. I am, 
you know, I've told people around me, like, I, I, I'm kind of a hothead. That was learned behavior, and you can unlearn that as well. So yep. the whole thing about, well, this is just the way I am, I don't it's buy a cop it. out. The other thing is it's easy to talk when you're on the side of privilege. Mm-hmm. It's actually funny. A lot of these CEOs, business leaders, men who engage in this behavior, I wonder what would happen if you ever sat them in a room and said, would you like to be treated like a woman? None of them, because they know. That's how you get people. There's actually a video about that. A woman asked a group of people, would you like to be treated like a minority? And no one put their hand up. Of course. So you know it's wrong. Yep. And that's, and that's why people don't want to act either, because why would you act when you get all the benefits without any of the negatives? Do you think that in some of these circles that men are uh, celebrated for acting that way? So, I mean, like for you to speak out against it, that feels like, you know, it feels like a little bit of a veer off of the yeah, old boys I, club. I think the boys club, I think they celebrate the stuff and I don't think anyone stands up for it either. Most people by nature are non-confrontational. So think about just to, to, to humanize it a little bit or make it more relatable, take it away from men and women. If you see just a jerk who's at the customer service aisle in Target, not the aisle, the, the desk, yep. screaming at the poor girl or the poor guy that's working there, what's your initial thought? What an asshole. What a jerk. Have you ever stepped in? Have you ever been like, hey, maybe you shouldn't talk to her that way? No. Probably not. We're conditioned as a society to be non-confrontational. The difference, I think, between me and other people is I'm I'll confrontational. Fight <laughs> and I'll fight and you. And <laughs> I, you know, I, I used to think I didn't carry a chip on my shoulder about being bullied, but I kind of do. And it's a behavior that you want to set me off, bully somebody. Mm-hmm. And so I'm the first person to, I actually remember there's a story. Uh, I almost got in a fight in Costco of all places. And, and there was a family, you know, with their kid. They were, you know, just shopping. And my recollection of it is they looked somewhat meek, if that's a fair term, like just mild-mannered, nice. And their kid ran in front of some guy's shopping cart. And he said, get that fucking kid out of my way. And immediately I stepped up face-to-face and I said, say that to my kid. And all of a sudden he's like, "Uh, I, he realized I'm a ginormous human (laughs) and I'm aggressive. And he's like, "I, I don't have a problem with you. And I'm like, I have a problem with you say it to my kid and then it he walked away i didn't put a beating on him or anything like that i'm not that <laughs> much of a hothead yeah. but i like to confront people yeah. that do that stuff and i think as a society we have a responsibility to confront people who behave that way otherwise it's the same as condoning the behavior because they never learn a lesson you know i completely agree with you but i want to play devil's advocate what about i know what you're going to say what are we going to say? Can I jump in? Yeah. Sometimes you're not in a position where you can do that because you're alone. Like, it, it, or what? Who's or to say what scared. is right? Like, so I believe I agree with you, and you're like, There's, "This is bad behavior. This is good behavior. This is what we should be doing. This is what we shouldn't do doing." But what about free speech? Or what right. about? It's not okay to yell at somebody and swear at them and be physically intimidating. I am perfectly capable as a human being that has been educated. I didn't grow up in a forest. I'm not a feral child. Feral child, for people that don't know, is raised by wolves or bears. I can articulate to the person at the customer service desk why I need a new shirt, why I need a new refund without resorting to swearing, name-calling, or physically intimidating them. That's what's wrong. 
the beef isn't wrong. The issue with Target isn't wrong. The issue with the, 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 the non-quality merchandise isn't wrong. It's how you're getting your point across. Yeah. So uh, we're, we're doing a podcast in your studio. We get in an argument. It's not okay for me to break your window. It's not okay <laughs> yeah. for me to smash your yeah. laptop. It's not okay for me to call you names. There's a more civil way to deal with it. And uh, there's a lot of models of good behavior out there. So you can't hide behind the fact, well, I didn't know it wasn't okay to punch her. Right. No, you know better. Do you feel at all like you are, I don't know, betraying like men by kind of just like calling them out? Not at all. Because again, and I will go back to this till the day I die. There's nothing about being a man that says I have to be a jerk. There's nothing about being a man that says I have to use my powers to physically intimidate people. There's nothing about being a man that says I can't cry or like a rom-com or you'd actually laugh. One of my favorite shows used to be Young and the Restless. Yeah. So we were uh, talking to an actor <laughs> buddy who's actually trying out for Young and the Restless. And I'm like, well, do you know that, that it's in Genoa City, Wisconsin? He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, yeah. There's this guy, Jack Abbott. He runs Jabot Cosmetics. His sister's <laughs> Ashley. I don't think she's going to be on the show anymore. He's like, Whoa. like almost like does not compute. Like how does like pointing at me? Why do you like Young and the Restless? Why can't I like it? Maybe it's a good show. Maybe I like the writing. Maybe I think it's funny. Maybe it was the only time of the day I have to watch TV. That in no way threatens my manhood. It's so interesting because I think, you know, we had this, we just did an episode recently on masculine and feminine energies. And one of the things that we get a lot from our listeners, our listeners are mostly women, I would say probably 85, 90% women. And they are very, I would say strong women, convicted, educated career driven a lot of them are really you know are busy moms full-time moms as well and they're worried that they're going to turn off if they're in a dating scenario they're worried that they're going to turn off potential prospects by being as strong independent they're not needy they don't need anything from a man but they've heard men say you know we want to feel needed that's a problem with the man not the woman because i you know i don't know but are there enough men out there uh, that can handle strong women. I mean, that's the thing, you know, right? That's the fear. I don't know if there's enough good people out there, period. Because men and women both have their problems. Everybody has their problems. Yes. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's no different than animals. Like you, you have a dog. Some dogs are good. Some dogs are not so good. Like, it, like it, 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 it happens. So I don't even think it's a man or a woman issue. There's just a lot of shit. I hate saying it and I don't want to be a misanthrope, but there's a lot of shitty people out there period. Now, logistically, if I'm thinking about my life and I have to select a mate, I don't want somebody weak. I don't want somebody that's going to like turn tail and run. I want somebody that's competent, self-assured, that can handle business, that if something happens to me, they've got stuff on lock. Who wouldn't want that? Yeah. But do you feel like it takes away from your your self-worth maybe or your sense of self-worth that like you know your woman doesn't need you no you said you played sports right yeah what sports did you play uh soccer basketball track rowing soccer basketball you want a weak teammate or a strong teammate strong do you want to play with lebron or do you want to play with somebody you never heard of with lebron i want lebron like hey dude score your 50 points tonight i'm good right it's like this whole argument about um my wife asked me like would it bother you if i made more money than you right nope I hope you make a million dollars so I can follow my dreams and do what I really want to do. I love that you're saying that, but we have heard so many men who would who do or have said that they feel threatened by that. So if if what you make money-wise 
if what you love to do, if what your passions are threaten me, I'm the one with the problem. Right. Because it shouldn't be a jealousy thing. Oh my God, Jill has more followers than me on Instagram. Who cares? Jill sells more personal training. Who cares? Right. Jill's probably like, who cares? Do you. If you're not happy with yourself, you're never going to be happy. So I would want, if we were going to be, here, here's my deal. We're going to be business partners now. It's going to be Bobby and Jill's house of coaching, right? Well, I'm not going to be sad if you all of a sudden get 8 million followers and my bank account's growing like crazy. What am I going to do at that point? Well, Jill's stealing the spotlight. Nope. I am happy to let you be the star and I will rake in all the goodness. I am happy to ride your coattails. And I should be really proud of you if you're successful because that will benefit me. It's kind of like the, a rising tide floats all boats. Do you think that people see it as a scarcity thing? Like it's, uh, there's only enough to go around or there's some sort of like... No, I think it's insecurity yeah. because it... And, and I'll keep going back to that. Like I, I wish there was a different answer, but yep. it, it, your success doesn't somehow like make me less successful. And that's how I'm looking at it. Like Because now I'm thinking, why is she so successful? what's wrong with me? Mm. No, there's nothing wrong with me. Like it might've been your time. You might've been fortunate. It might be because you're a woman. It might be because you're, you're, you're better looking than me. It might be because you're just better at your job, but that doesn't invalidate me as a human. And that's how people feel. Like there's something, if you make more money than me, you're better than me. And that makes me sad because I wish I was successful too. If, if I can't come to the grips with that, that's when all this stuff is going to come out. It's so good. Do you think that there's this idea right now that men are under attack somehow? Do you feel, what do you think about that? We should be under attack. Like, I don't know what to tell you, but like men have been, not all men, because now I'm being part of the problem. There have been people who have been dicks for years and you should get slapped. Like, I am sorry, you're not under attack. And I don't look at it as men are under attack these days. I look at it as we're a much more socially conscious society and all forms of shitty behavior are under attack. And they should be. So it's not just men. Like, look around. Like, it's, it's my son actually says that the worst word in the world is the R word. You know what the R word is? It's a word for somebody who's, developmental delayed for someone who's mm -hmm. autistic yep. for somebody yep. i didn't want to say it right that's a bad word yeah that was okay 15 years ago oh five it years should ago. be okay now right i'm not under attack you're not under attack like if you say that word you're in the wrong i'm sorry like racism is under attack it should, should be. be homophobia is under attack it should be misogyny is under attack it should be it's not okay behavior so i don't even think of it like it's interesting when you see people take it personally you know, but I just don't understand it because it's like, yeah, all bad behavior should be under attack. And by the way, if I do something because I'm not perfect, if I say something, if I behave in a certain way that's wrong, I should get called out on it and I should eat my humble pie or get put in time out or like whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever the punishment is. It's just bad behaviors under attack. It's like uh, what I want to say to some men is get over yourself. Like it's just, uh, just don't be a dick. So how does someone start to work on, if they're listening to this and they're going, okay, so I have two questions. One is for maybe the men who are listening and they're going, okay, I recognize some of that stuff myself. How do I, and, and Bobby keeps saying it's because I'm insecure. How do I 
Do I have to become a UFC fighter? Like, how do I start to uncover, even if I'm a, a woman and I'm like, I notice my insecurities popping up. Maybe I'm dealing with that comparison trap. Maybe I do feel like success is finite and I'm starting to feel less than as a result of that. How do I start working on that? Um, I would tell you the green dots and try to sell them to you for $9.99, but I don't know if that's enough. BobbyMaximus.com? BobbyMaximus.com. You can buy them in the shop. If you get them with the logo, they work better than normal green dots. Uh, Stanford did a study on it. That's a complete <laughs> lie. I don't know if I'm going to get sued for that. But you can do the green dot thing. You can write things down. You can go see a therapist. I mean, there's numerous ways to do this, but it's not simple. You have to do a lot of self-work. You also have to be willing to make a change. If you're just going to say, I don't have a problem, it's kind of like the alcoholic. I don't know if you've ever had an alcoholic friend or dealt with somebody who's, who suffers from alcoholism, but until they want to change, you're not going to change them. Right. So they have to want to change and then they have to do a lot of self-work to make that happen. Yep. And that might take a lot of introspection. And you got to be truthful with yourself. Like, am I part of the problem? Did I give Mikey a high five when Mikey slapped that girl's ass? That's a problem. You're as bad as Mikey. And there's little incentive to change. I think there's more incentive now to change. But for a long time, there wasn't any incentive to change. Like, you know, Trump can say, like, grab by the pussy and there's really no... I mean, even now that like we know that there's still not really well, all that many repercussions. And that's and that's a good example. I, I I try not to get political. Whether you like Donald Trump, you don't like Donald Trump. I think we can all agree that that's yeah, whether you like his politics or not. That's what that's, I mean. You're Republican. You're not Republican. Saying that is not okay. And I loved him. He's like, well, that's just locker room talk. And a bunch of athletes came out and they're like, I'm a real athlete and in a locker room and I don't talk like that. So let's stop that right here. No, you're a jerk. Like that's just a universal kind of thing. Yep. It's not okay to make fun of a disabled reporter. Yep. Like all yep. things that yep. he's done. Yep. Unfortunately, that's who we have in office and that's the role model for people. Yep. It's just not right. You know, and, and I don't even know, the sad thing with that is I don't even know if he's serious or not. I don't know. I go back and forth with this. I don't know if this is who he is. Or it's a caricature. Or, or it's a character, like because he was in the WWE. But either way, it has a very negative result on society because my little 10-year-old hears that and thinks it's okay. I'll tell you one of the proudest dad moments I have. Uh, we were in the garage. My 10-year-old said, that's gay. And I said, what did you just say? And he said, well, dad, that's never say that again. Why not? It's like the N-word. It's like the R-word. We don't do that. He goes, well, why is it so bad? And I said, well, we have gay friends. And I named off a list of gay friends. Do you think they're bad people? He goes, no, I love them. Are they mean to you or nice to you? They're, they're really nice to me. And at this point, he's just sobbing tears because he felt horrible. I go, so when you don't want to do something or you don't like something and you say that's gay, that really puts our friends down, people who really care about you. How's that make you feel? He wants to write an apology letter to these people. He's, he's a really sensitive dude. No problem with that as a dad. So a couple days later, we're at a football game. And uh, one of the other kids says, that's gay. My son walked up to him, two hands shoved him <laughs> and said, that's amazing. don't say that again. And the kid was like, because uh, 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 Landon was like a f switch flipped in him. Uh, and one of the parents came up to me like, your kid attacked my kid. I go, good. Well, what do you mean? Aren't you going to punish him? No, actually, we're going to the Shake Shack after. He's going to get a concrete. And actually, he's going to get whatever he wants because your kid's in the wrong. And I have no problem with my kid doing that. 
Now, now, truthfully thinking back of it, Landon probably shouldn't have put his hands on the kid. That's probably a little aggressive. But I would rather him stand up. And yeah. we even had a talk about him in school this year. You see a kid getting bullied, man, step in. Yep. But what if I get suspended? We will go, you know, like Dave and Buster's. Yep. There's a kid's version of it called Boondocks. They go, we'll go to Boondocks, unlimited tokens. Because what's unlimited tokens? You know, when dad runs out of money, we can't play games anymore. He goes, yeah, I go, that will never happen. <laughs> so now I'm worried he's going to go beat kids down in the playground. <laughs> I've got no problem sticking up for a person who's being bullied because that's not cool. If a kid's sitting alone, go sit with them. Ask them to sit with you. Like if people are making fun of people, tell them to stop. I don't have an issue with that at all. Yeah. Because I was that kid. Yep. So... You know? Well, it's such a great reminder for the moms. You know, we have a lot, and the dads who listen as well, we have um, a lot of women who are in transition listening to the podcast who are maybe, you know, fresh out of a long-term relationship or divorce or, you know, career changes or want to start their own business or whatever. Um, and my last kind of question is, you know, maybe I'm a woman and I'm sitting here and I'm kind of like, okay, what, what Bobby's saying makes a lot of sense. And like, you know, he seems like you're such a great guy. And like, but I can't find a guy that is this integrous like how do I what are some of the things that people should be demanding of the people that they're dating or looking to date I would say first of all I don't think I'm a great guy I don't think I'm a bad guy either I have my faults well I think you have principles I don't oh, think that it's like you're the sure. perfect dude I think it's just more you have principles and what we what we're hearing at least is it's not okay to act like an asshole to a woman yep. to, to speak, you know, down to her, to treat her as less than to, and like, and, and also if you are a dude and you're, and you feel like you need your woman to need you in order to feel like a man, then like, sorry. Well, and I, I want to flip this too. It's not okay for a woman to do that to a man either. Of course. Because it, it happens in relationships. Yeah. Like abuse works both ways. Sure. It's not okay to swear at your partner. It's not okay to put them down. Okay. It's not okay for you to come home angry and take and, it out on and, your partner. And, and your boyfriend's minding his own business and then you're throwing plates at him. Like that's not cool or for you to put him down. So, so bad behavior isn't good. But what I was getting at is I don't think I'm necessarily a good person or a bad person. I'm a list of qualities and, and my wife might love them. You might hate them. Like it doesn't make me good or bad. The key with that is that you allow people to do things to you or not. That is your choice 100%. So there's something about you teach people to act in a certain way. So if we go out on the first date and I'm rude to a waiter, you should have some red flags. And there's nothing wrong with you saying, hey, hey Bobby, I've had a really nice time with you tonight, but I don't like the way you spoke to the waiter. And then we go out again. And I speak to you that way, but you go out with me again. Like you, you, if you want somebody to treat you well, you have to communicate with them, tell them what's okay, tell them what's not okay, tell them what bothers you. Otherwise you're setting yourself up for failure. And if you've let someone be a jerk for you for six months, you can't then turn on the switch and say, I don't like that anymore because you've given them positive feedback over and over. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, and then when they call you a bitch, you that you know you're definitely out there. Yeah, you well, absolutely. <laughs> like, why would you let somebody call you that? I mean, it used to Well, that's the fear, right? If I stand up for myself or if I point out that, you know, I didn't like the way that you spoke to that waiter, all of a sudden I'm a bitch. Why would you be alone with them again? Right. Like I have you seen this whole Antonio Brown thing? Yes. Okay, so so here's here's what gets me. 
I don't think, I don't want to judge. I don't know what really happened. But what I keyed on was he was with a girl. He got naked and like walked in the room and tried to kiss her. And then she's like, and a few months later, I went back to his house and I'm like, why would you do that? Like, you know, that should be the only indication you have that you don't need to be around that person anymore. But you go back and then he tries something else and then you go back and then he tries something else. Why would you keep putting yourself in that position? So I would, I would urge any man or woman listening to this, go for what you deserve. You're better off to be alone than with somebody that is exhibiting these behaviors. And like I said, rude to a waiter, probably not the person I want around my kids. Rude to me. Probably not the person I want around my kids. Does that make sense yeah, to you? Yeah. You can have control over what you will accept or not accept. And, and you played sports, so this is a perfect analogy. You will only do what your coach allows you to get away with. If you show up late to practice and your coach says, sure, come on in. Is it okay to be late or not okay to be late? Totally okay. If you're f- one minute late and he says, see you tomorrow. You're going to be late again? Nope. Nope. Or you're just off the team. We don't accept lateness around here. You're finished. And your clients, if you have me booked from 1 to 2 and I call at 1.30 and I expect you to go to 2.30, that's on you. You've allowed me to do that. Don't complain about behavior that you've enabled in other people would be my message with that stuff. Yep. And that goes across the board for sure in all different things, whether it's career, Dating, relationships, kids. kids. Yeah. Like don't, you say no to your kid three times. The fourth time you've said yes. Now they know the fourth time you'll always say <laughs> yes and you've lost. Like you're done. Yeah. No has to mean no. I'm actually doing this thing with my kid too. I, I, you know, I don't know if this is relevant, but I'm sure there's a lot of moms and dads. Yep. No means no. So I don't, I don't make my kid do unreasonable stuff he doesn't want to do. So for example, hey, uh, Jill, you need to share your phone right now. In what world does that make sense? Can you imagine I wanted to use your phone and you're like, no. And I'm like, no, you have to share. Does that feel very good to you? No. No. So why are you going to make a three-year-old do it? He doesn't want to share his toys. He doesn't have to share his toys. That's a no that I'm okay with. If someone's wrestling with him, like I'm wrestling with him. He says, dad, I don't want to wrestle anymore. Wrestling time is stopped. Like no has to mean no because I think as we get older, and, and this is actually really interesting. I'm going to write an article about this now. This is where this comes from. People do not know how to say no. And and no can't be a hope either. You have to back it up. That's so interesting because it's like, you know, we tend to think, well, especially like as adults, we're like, well, you know, my intuition says that maybe that maybe you want it, but you said no. You know what I mean? Or like there's a lot of stories around like a no is not, it's a soft no. no or if you say no to me, I have to assume it's no. Like, so... Hey, Joe, would you be like to be on my podcast? No, I won't ask you again. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm assuming no means no. Yep. Like, and if I come back and say, well, listen, did I not explain the podcast? Your job is to not say, well, maybe I'll do it and keep the conversation going. You should say, no, I'm very aware of who you are, what you do in your social media following. I do not want to do your podcast. Thank you. You have to have a yeah. firm no, because I think when some people hear no, they look at it as like an opportunity to try from a different angle. Sure, yep. An opportunity to try again. An opportunity to no has to mean no. And that, and that, and that, 
obviously when you hear no means no, people think about the whole sex thing. Sure. And especially there, no has to mean no. But in every aspect of life, because tell me, have you ever been in a position where you said yes to something you didn't want to say yes to? Yeah. And then you're left, you're resentful, you're angry. Hate you're, them, hate myself. Why didn't you say no? Yeah. You don't have to do that. Right. It's, it's such a good reminder and it's so, it is so hard. It's funny. I love Byron Katie's work and she always says a dishonest yes to, is a no to yourself. Oh yeah. And you feel it. Oh yeah. The second you do it, you just hate, you're like, why did I say, why did I agree to this? Yeah. Where you're feeling bad and why should you feel bad for something that's unreasonable? To me, like someone's honesty is such a service. Yeah. That's how I see it. I'm like, please, like, thank you for like giving me that insight about yourself. So you were on our podcast today. We were on yours. Maybe it worked out where, where you were like, Hey, Bobby, you want to be on the podcast? I'm like, sure. I'm like, you'd like to be on yours. And you're like, no, I don't do other podcasts that would that turn you off. Would you be like, well, I don't want to be on yours either. No. Why would I? Because now, because <laughs> here's the deal. You're, you're, you're well-respected in the industry. You have a lot of followers. I can somehow monetize from this. It can get me a new audience. It gives me a chance to get my message out. What, I'm going to cut my own throat because you said no? No, I'm happy to be on your podcast. That's ego, though. I mean, Pardon? that's ego. Maybe you don't want me, maybe you don't want to be on my podcast because it's not good for your brand. Maybe it's because I'm with Lalo Tactical for shoes and you're with Adidas and the rival companies and you're worried you're going to get in trouble. Maybe it's you just made a decision a while ago to only focus on your podcast. None of those decreases the quality, the efficacy, or the work that I put into my podcast. It's probably something that has nothing to do with me at all. Yeah. And if I want to take it personally, that's my own insecurity. Yep. Such a great conversation and so nuanced. And I, that's why I always, like, I hope you don't feel like I'm like, I, I just, I love debate and I also love like oh, trying could, to understand the whole, I, all I the could, angles. Yeah. I could talk about this stuff for hours. So I, I yeah. appreciate all the questions. And I think that debate and so here's here's one more thing the debate i'm okay with debate we had to have a talk off air about how you deal with haters yep and i think the term haters is misconstrued you coming on my podcast and saying you know i don't really believe with that set and rep scheme believe that set and rep scheme i'm talking about working right. out now yep. Or you're like, I don't really believe what you're saying about toxic masculinity to be true. Can you explain that? You're not being a hater. I want everyone to know that follows me, listens to me. I welcome that type of questioning. You know what I don't welcome? Fuck you, you're an idiot. You're a hater. Like that's not okay. So you sitting here, grill me, ask me anything you want. One of two things is gonna happen. You're gonna force me you're going to force me to explain myself. And in the process of explaining myself, I'm going to become stronger in my convictions, which is good. Or I'm going to change my mind, which is also good. Yeah, I agree. There's a, there's a theory in literature. I'll be a geek for a second. I have an honors English degree. It comes from a guy named Alexander Pope. And it's, there's no such thing as a bad book. Because you... Because you still learn something from it. If all you learn is what a good book is because you know what a bad book is, you have learned. So it's like, it's that kind of theory of yeah. like, you, you, the only way you can become self-assured in how you believe is by kind of talking to the other side of the fence. And that's why I've become so convicted about the 
toxic masculinity thing and it comes from insecurity because no matter how many questions I've gotten, I can't defend using my physical stature or my place having a job over somebody else to bully them. I just, I, I haven't been able to think of a scenario where that's okay. I love it. The conversation is so good. We've, um, could definitely go on and on for sure, but I know you have a day. And so tell the people, um, I'm sure a lot of the gals will want to connect with you and share the episode. Where can they connect with you? What's yeah, it's at Bobby Maximus, B-O-B-B-Y-M-A-X-I-M-U-S. No, that is not my government name. My government name shall never be revealed again. Uh, that is my handle. <laughs> If you will, yep. my government name is actually Robert Lawrence McDonald. Wow! But you'd be surprised how people can't find you when you have it. You can misspell it. It's anyway. Yep. So it's Bobby Maximus. Um, I would just go to my Instagram at Bobby Maximus. Cool. Um, or you could Google the Maximus podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys definitely need to listen to the podcast for sure. That's how I uh, came across Bobby's work and listen to the, definitely listen to the episode on toxic masculinity, but there's a lot of really good stuff on there. So yeah, we're always talking about bullying, communication breakdown, yeah. mindfulness. Like it's not just about, I don't know, I made a decision a while ago. I don't want to be just the workout guy. Yeah. You know, and as yep. a public figure, I think I have a responsibility to lead by example, to have especially a for my kids. Yeah. You know? Oh, for sure. So someday that's the number one audience. Yeah. Someday they're going to hear this and hopefully be proud of me, you know? So it's a good reminder. Awesome. Well, you're the best. Thank you so much for being here. And you guys, if you love this episode with Bobby, let us know, go to our free Facebook group at thebestlifepodcast.com. Um, make sure that you guys share, subscribe, leave a review, let the other people know that you enjoy it. And, um, of course, always sharing on social. We appreciate that. And we'll always repost. All right. Thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you soon. 